This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I want to read you a passage from Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to read to you the first two verses there. I'd encourage you to read the, the whole story uh, at some point. But read you the first two verses. We're going to pray and we're going to dive into this message. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence and for your, your Holy Spirit. You are here. I thank you for the lives that have already been changed. And God, I've seen you move through this message, and, 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 and in that, I, I don't want my confidence to come into this message. I want my confidence to be in you and you alone. Because it's your word that will change us. It's your word that will make us new. It's not our abilities, but it's your ability that people have come here seeking for. Speak to us, God. Speak to all of us. Lord, we all pray that. Speak to all of us today and change our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. I was a little worried about this this message in the first service today because I began a point of review. How many of you remember the rope from last week? How many of you remember the rope? Okay. So I gave you some 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 teaching uh, using this rope last week, and and God began to speak to us, and and I brought you a message called "Living in the Tension," uh, dealing with hope. And as you learn to live in the tension, it's it's in the tension of life when life begins to give you a struggle that you find the hope that you need. And so we began to study that, and as we began to study that, uh, I, I thought, well, I, I told you what each color strand represented. Now, our, our first service, apparently I forgot to tell them that, so when I started testing them, they didn't remember. Second service, we had a few people remember. So let me just, let me just ask you now, uh, how many of you remember what the yellow cord represented? Anybody remember? Us, right, when we stand alone. It represents who? Us. Us. Okay. So when we try to make it through life on our own, we're never going to be able to become who God's called us to be. We're never going to measure up to what God has called us to measure up to. We're never going to find the victory that God's called us to. And so imagine, I mean, this is a braided cord, but imagine if this were a singular strand and when all the pressure ends up on a singular strand, it breaks under the pressure because it's trying to hold it all together on its own. And so last week, then, I took you and I I reminded you that there were some things necessary in our life to help us overcome the the tensions of life and that will help us find hope in the middle of the storm. Now, I could tell that people were getting this message. Uh, uh, Actually, our rehab gathered around me after the the last service and all the Waypoint guys gathered around me and they said, we just got to tell you, God's speaking to us about hope. And I said, well, praise God, God's speaking to you about hope. And they, they said, they said, pastor, as a matter of fact, it reminds us of a saying. I said, what? 
is it? And you got to remember, this is a this is a, a, guy, a group of guys that are in our rehab program. They, they've spent their life on substances, and and this is what they said. They said, uh, and I'm just I actually I had somebody write it down for me. Let me just pull it out here, and I, I'm just going to read it to you today. This is what they said to me exactly. I wanted to get it right. They said, "We used to be hopeless dope fiends, but now." We are dopeless hope fiends. Come on now. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. I thought, praise God. God is so good that we're finding hope and that that hope, when you put the right things in your life, the hope is found. It changes who you are. It gets down to the core of your life. And and I feel the Holy Spirit already today. And so then I introduced a a different color to you. And this different color was blue. And the blue always represents something specific in Scripture. Does anybody remember what the blue represented? The presence of God. That's right. You guys are winning today. Somebody said presence like like present, like, like Christmas presents. Come on now. Let me just go ahead and tell you the best present you'll ever have in your life is the presence of God. And so we have us, his presence, and then we had one left, the word. Are you looking at notes over there? Or are you just, wow, you got a great memory. Represents the word of God, the scarlet thread of God's word that runs throughout the scripture. And so we have us, help me one more time, us, God's presence, and the Word. And so we end up in life, and, and what happens too many times is we, we want to know that God is around, and we want to know that, 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 that the Word of God is there, but we don't want to intertwine it into our life, and so we end up knowing that there's better things, but we're still trying to hold it all together ourselves. But we came to a reality last week that when we begin to braid the presence of God and the Word of God into our lives, that the law of physics, even in the spiritual realm, begins to kick in. And as the law of physics begins to kick in, what that does, it puts all the pressure from being on me and it it redistributes that under the law of physics to where now when the pressure is applied, come on, Y'all remember that? Last week in this service, I asked Pastor Jacob, who I did not know had something he needed to prove by how hard he could pull this rope. He was like, big guy's not moving me. And he held on for dear life. Well, what happened was, I guarantee you with all the aggression he was putting into that strand, if it had been a singular strand between, there he comes right now, look at him, he's walking like Rocky across there, there he comes, all right, but as he was putting all that aggression into that strand, and I was putting the opposite pressure on it, that if it had been a singular strand, it would have broken, but because it had been woven together, braided together, it dispersed the pressure. And so what we find then is when I have God's presence and God's word braided into my life, I find hope that I can overcome what used to knock me down. I find hope that what used to set me back, I find victory and hope knowing that what has destroyed my family for generations can be defeated here now because watch this now, that all of a sudden the pressure is redistributed. Are you with me? 
Now, we live in a life to where too many times we, we, we still have to be convinced what we need to do. We have to be convinced that we need to, to, to listen to the, the simple truths. And so we end up in our lives trying to carry everything. And the last few years, if you've tried to carry everything, you'll find that you'll end up in a bad place. You'll find that life is throwing some serious, serious stuff our way that's trying to knock us down and knock us out. And a lot of people are falling. The Bible says that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. In other words, the pressure is going to get so tough that in the last days, I feel what I've come to say to you, that in the last days, the pressure is going to get so tough that, that a lot of people are going to give up and they're going to make this declaration. I can't do it, do this anymore. I can't carry it on my own. I can't walk on my own. Now, we look at that as a bad thing, and it is a bad thing when people give up. But the, but the reality is, it's a good thing when they realize, I can't do this on my own anymore. Not that I can't do this anymore, is that I can't do this on my own anymore. And when I begin to declare, I need more, watch this, I need more in my life than just what I'm living through. So as I begin to make a realization that I need God's presence in my life, I need God's word in my life, and I begin to braid those together so that I can overcome the tension that I'm facing. Are you with me today? So I can overcome the tension that I'm facing as I braid those together into my life. Let me just go ahead and tell you, always when you start braiding the things of God into your life, always you're going to face one of the greatest battles of your life. The enemy is always going to try to knock you down and knock you out because he doesn't want you overcoming. He doesn't want you becoming who God's called you to be. And so while you're in between, in other words, when you've not got it braided in the way that it needs to be yet, while you're in the middle, the real drama normally happens in the middle. The enemy wants to knock you down and knock you out because, listen to me carefully, because he knows if he can get you before you get the right things braided into your life, then he can stop you when you've just had a taste of victory. He can keep you down and he can set you down. As a matter of fact, the enemy wants you to get just enough victory that you mistakenly think you're really there yet. Can I go ahead and tell you that as your pastor and as the leader of this church for uh, uh, now over 30 years, God has blessed me, but one thing he's blessed me with is enough sense to realize that the kid who thought he knew more than he knew doesn't really know what he thinks he knows now, and I need Jesus more now than I've ever needed Jesus. Why? Because I've come to realize that my hope is not in myself, but my hope is having him intertwined into my life on every side so that when life tries to knock me down and I say, I can't do this anymore, but I know one who can and when I bring him into my life we will overcome together amen you can't do it sometimes even the 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 great opportunities of your life are going to make you go well what have I done you know but as you begin to intertwine the presence of God into your life things are going to change now we're, we here in in Matthew chapter two, we find an interesting group of individuals. Now, more than likely, these were the brothers, the younger brothers of the crown princes. 
So since they weren't going to take the throne, they were called then to become the advisors, and they were sent to be wise men. And so many of them were very learned, and they were educated, and, and, and as they studied the history of their lands, and we know the specific land where most of these came from, as they studied the history of their lands, they found some truths. And it's during a period of time here in Matthew chapter 2 that is called, and this is one of the greatest things I want to give you today, and listen to me carefully, that is called the period of silence. That between Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, there's a 400-year period that people call the period of silence. It's when they say that God went silent on man. Now, I've always accepted that. I was taught that in Sunday school. I was taught that in Bible college. I've always heard that's the period of silence. But And what I was teaching it to a group of students in Bible school just a few weeks ago, one of them walked up to me and said to me, do you really think God went quiet? Could God go quiet that long? Now, they didn't realize the impact that would have on my life because they don't know me. I don't do quiet very well. If I'm riding with you in a car and you go quiet, let me go ahead and tell you, I'm going to start talking because silence scares me. When she stops talking, I'm in trouble. Silence creates fear inside of my life. And when silence creates that, that, that uncomfortableness, I start feeling the gap. Why? Because I don't like silence. And I can't imagine if God wasn't talking to me for 400 years. Come on now. And I also understand that when I go quiet, things are not good. My mama said it this way. She says, as long as he's talking, you know he's okay. And I keep talking. Well, here's the thing. It made me think Would God really be able to go quiet and not speak to his children for 400 years? And I had to rethink the whole premise of all of it. The premise that I had to rethink is not whether or not God would go quiet, was how was God speaking, not not whether or not he was quiet or not, because I don't believe that God went silent for 400 years. I believe, listen to me very carefully, I believe, this is what somebody needs to get, I believe that God settled the prophecies that Pastor Sam was just talking about, that God settled the prophecies, and as he settled the prophecies, that all of a sudden, that way that he was speaking went silent. Because he said, this is who's coming, here's what's going to happen, this is how it's going to be, and, and, and it went silent. Just like we know that Revelation says, cursed is anyone who adds to the prophecies of this book. In other words, he says, I've already settled this, don't add more things to the end times, don't complicate the process and confuse people out of the victory of what's found in Revelation. So he says, look, stop adding to it, realize I've already said all I'm going to say on this matter. But as much as God was saying, I've said all I'm going to say on this matter, What he was looking for is people to believe what he'd already said. And here's the problem. Most of us end up running around looking for a word. I just need somebody to give me a word from the Lord. I just need a fresh word. I need a word. Somebody give me a word. I need. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to connect through somebody else to a God that you can no longer hear. But the reality is that God is not going quiet on you about the things that matter most. He's going quiet on you about the things that he's already spoken to you about. He's already told you what you ought to do when you're mad at your neighbor. He's already told you what you need to do when you're 
you're going through a storm. He's already told you what you need to do in regards to the sin you're facing. God's already told you what to do. And instead of telling you now what to do, he's inside of you telling you, you can do it. When you braid me into your life, you might not be able to stand on that by yourself. But if you'll listen to what I'm trying to tell you on the inside of who you are, God says, I'm talking directly to you now because you know what I've said. And now I want to give you the power to stand on what I've said. You see, the wise men still pursue even when God goes quiet. Why? This is what they said. When we saw his star, when it rose, when it rose and we have come to worship him. Listen to me. The reason they were able to Follow the promise of the word. See, the promise of the star was actually one of the most famous prophecies by their most famous prophet, and his name was Balaam, a guy who had a talking donkey. They knew the prophecy, and because they knew Balaam's prophecy, when they saw the star, they realized that what they already knew that they needed to pursue at that, that moment because the star gave them a vision of seeing the fulfillment. You see, pursuit requires vision. Some of you can't see yourself walking in the victory that I'm declaring to you today because you don't yet know the promise of God's word over your life the way you're supposed to. You've not yet trusted and believed God for who he called you to be yet. Like I, I feel Jesus in this place today. I feel the love of God as he's trying to tell you, listen, don't live in the valley of defeat. Catch a vision of your victory. Catch a vision of what it means when you get God intertwined in your life and the things the devil told you you'll never be free of all of a sudden you get a vision for what God says about you and he that the sun sets free is free and completely free and you get a vision of where you're headed in God and it gives you the right that even when it seems like God's not speaking I'm still pursuing the presence of God I'm still pursuing the word of God because I know it's real Last week I taught you two Hebrew words from the Old Testament, words for hope. This word, let me quickly give you the, the, the New Testament Greek word for hope, ellipsis. Comes from the root word Aleppo. And it means to anticipate or expect with confidence. That I've, I've got a vision of something that gives me an anticipation of something that I can expect a certain outcome. Now, let me just put this. People, the local restaurants tell me, please don't talk about us anymore because we have a mass run on a restaurant. But I don't know how to tell you this. Let me just ask you. I don't think I'm abnormal. Is there anybody else in this place that would rather drive for 20 more miles looking for somewhere to stop on the right side than have to turn left? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Christine's like, it's just right over there. I'm like, no, no, we're going to keep going until we find something just more convenient. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah some of you are like, man, man. <laughs> but you let me see a Dairy Queen on the other side. <laughs> let, me make, let me make it even better than that. You let me see the red light on the Krispy Kreme on the other side, on the left side. 
I don't care if there's a concrete wall between me and the left side. I will find a way across. Why? Ellipsis. I have hope for what's waiting on me on the other side. Sound like a preacher, daughter. Come on. I have hope in what I anticipate the experience to taste like. I was riding with Pastor Todd the other day. I said, you realize the way you brought me, took me away from the Krispy Kreme? I said, last time we're following your GPS. But listen, I pulled into Krispy Kreme. I've gone, found a way across the thing, and this happened to me. Not too long. Last time I went to Krispy Kreme, I pull in. I said, well, the light's not on. Well, I've already come all this way. (laughs) Might as well. And I pulled in, and the sign on the door said, Close for remodeling. (laughs) My ellipsis fell. My expectation level crashed. There's a point I'm trying to make here. You see, when I got where I thought I was going, I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. So I let my hopes down. And then, I don't care what we're passing on the way home. I'm like, there's nothing to eat. She's like, just feed me. I'm like, we'll just have cereal when we get to the house. Why? Silence. Because my... Ellipsis was anchored to that red light. And when I didn't get what I thought I would get, I gave up on my hope. See, a lot of people don't understand. The reason the wise men kept moving, even though Herod tried to distract them and discourage them, is that they were following a star that represented the word of God. Whatever is guiding us is really what our hope is anchored to. And when you are following something that can be closed for remodeling, your life will always have ups and downs. When the devil can rob you of your hope because your hope is in somebody else and he just needs them to let you down, you're following the wrong star. But when you follow the promise of God, you see, when the king tried to distract the wise men, they kept on going because they weren't following the king. They were following, seeking for the promise of that had been fulfilled in God's word. Knowing God's word empowers our continued pursuit. When I realize that the world is not what I need to braid into my life, but I need to learn what God says about who I am. Am I making sense to anybody today? See, God is revealing himself to those who pursue him based upon his word and his promises. I'd love to tell you that I've stopped being amazed at the miracles that we've seen. Over the last four years, we've seen so many miracles that God has begun to pour out in Dawsonville. It's been amazing what God has done. You remember the lady I told you last week that had been given hours, hours to, to, to live? 
You remember that? This morning, she sat right over there and said amen about 50 times this week. Come on now. Because her hope's not in the world. Her hope's in Jesus. You see, our hope should be in his word and his promises and not in our present condition. So what does his word say? And I'm trying to hurry. Psalms 119.43. Do not snatch your word of truth from me, for your regulations are the only hope I have. Verse 49 of that same chapter says, remember your promise to me. It's my only hope, God. I'm holding on. God, don't forget what you told me. Psalms 119.74 says, may all who fear you find in me a cause for joy. In other words, Lord, let others watch what's happening in my life because I have put my hope in your word. And Lord, I want you to show others through me what happens when somebody holds on to your word, no matter what. Psalms 119.81, I am worn out waiting for your rescue. But I have put my hope in your word. Lord, it may seem like you've gone silent, but I still remember what you said. And I'm not going anywhere else. You see, the challenge that most of us face is that the star that we're following and is guiding us is not God's word. And God sent me with a message today to remind you that what you need to bring into your life the first element that we had is the re- reality is that you are involved in the picture. This week we're realizing that you got to what we're intertwining is God's word. You don't need man's word. You need God's word. Did you hear what I prayed at the beginning of this message? I, because the last service, this message made such an impact on everyone present. I said to my, I said in the prayer, Don't let my confidence be in this message. Let it be in your word that I'm proclaiming. Because the problem is this. Too many times when we have a religious experience, we get our confidence in the religious experience and not in the power of the word that connects us to a real God. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but here's the thing. Some of you have been missing a feeling. The reason you're missing a feeling is you've given up with faith in the promise. Now listen to me. When the wise men made it to Jesus, this is important. They come in, they give their gifts, and they worship him. This is, you need to get what I've come to tell you. I'm almost done. But they worship him. And when they worship him, I want you to notice what happens next. The Lord speaks to them in a dream, and they go home a different way. Okay? Watch this. Just because they came to one destination, they didn't stop following the word. The word kept leading them along the way. Too many times we'll follow God's promises until we get what we want. God, give me this blessing. It's sort of like this. God, I'm going to honor you. Give me that house. We honor God till we get that house. And then we stop honoring God by going to his house on the Lord's day because I got to stay home and cut the grass to make it look right at my house. You see, the destination is not the hope. 
The celebration of hope for Jesus followers is not destination dependent. It's the word of God dependent. So I'm not looking and only have my ellipses in a specific outcome. My, my hope is in the word of God because the outcome will let me down when they're closed for repairs because the world always has to hold up and hold up the facade and fix the fakeness. But the promises of God stand and before one ounce of a promise of God will ever cease to be, the world itself will no longer exist. Don't you understand we are held together by the God factor? The presence of God's word. So when I don't know what else to do, I'm not looking at a destination. I'm looking at the fact is, am I becoming who God's called me to be? Can I just say this? I don't know why I didn't say this in the other service. What I'm trying to tell you today, if you'll grab it in your life, you'll have less regrets when you are older in this world. Become focused more on the presence and the word of God in your life than all the things you think you need. And then you're going to find why. Because as, and I'll close with this, as the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, there is a reason for you to have joy. Even when there's tension and even when there's struggles. Because I'm not rejoicing in where I'm going, what I'm going through. I'm not even rejoicing in what I'm trying to get to. Here's what he said in Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. I rejoice in the fact that if I'm in a good place, there's still better ahead of me. If I'm in a bad place, it's only getting me ready for the better that's ahead of me. If I'm in a silent place, God's only trying to remind me of what he's already told me. You see, it's what I find in the middle of all of that. When I find hope in the middle of the tension, when I realize that when God's trying to deal with my heart and I'm not yet who I need to be and I'm somewhere in between and the drama's happening in the middle, that God's still working on me. And the reason the enemy is fighting me it's because he's losing territory. I'm becoming who God's called me to be. I'm becoming what God's chosen me to be. Anybody in this room perfect? None of us are there yet. But we are being transformed into the very likeness of the one who is perfect. How? As we conform to his presence and his word in our lives. Would you stand with me today? I have a reason to rejoice. <laughs> I hope I never forget what those guys said to me from Waypoint. I was a hopeless dope fiend. And now I'm a dopeless hope fiend. Come on. That's what I get to be. I've just been finishing in-depth study and translation of Corinthians, and that's what it says over and over again. My job is to give you hope. Hope that this Christ who is risen from the dead is your only hope, and it's his work in your life intertwined that moves you from who you are to who you've been called to be. And if there were no hope, we would be the saddest people of all because our hope lies 
what is ahead. Bow your heads with me in this place. I want to ask you a couple simple questions. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, in my life, there's some areas that I've lost hope and I need God's word to be intertwined in my life so that I can stand on his promises. I want to see your hand right where you are. Would you hold it up high? Hold it up high. Hands literally all over this place. Thank you. Thank you. Put those down. Don't you give up hope on those children. Don't you give up hope on that situation. Don't you give up hope just because the world says there's no hope. You keep trusting. You keep believing. You keep trusting in the promises of God. Let me ask you another question today before I take this as a moment of prayer and time of prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I've been afraid to have hope in Jesus because the hope I've had in everybody else has let me down. But today's your day. Today's your moment. Today's your time to find Jesus. As I'm about to pray for these that are about to respond, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I want some of the pastors and leaders to begin to join me here. We're going to have some other prayer in just a moment. And, and if they would begin to just move from their place. But I want to ask you, if that's you, I didn't embarrass the other people that raised their hand, and I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out from where you are. But if that's you today, and you would say, Pastor, today's the day. Maybe you're watching, maybe you're present. Today's the day that I want to surrender to the hope of Christ in my life. If that's you, and you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, or you need to rededicate your life to Christ, I want to pray with you now. If that's you, let me see your hand in this place. Would you just hold it up high? Say, today's the day I want to know Jesus. Thank you. I see some recommitting their life to Christ. Are there others today? Hold the hand up high. They will join with these. Thank you. Are there others watching, looking? If you're online and that's you, just type in, that's me that he's talking about. He's waiting on me. Are there others? Today's your day. Thank you. I see those hands. Are there others? Thank you. All right, I'm going to pray for everybody in this room, and then I'm going to pray this prayer of rededication over you. And then I'm going to pray for some specific needs this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence and your anointing that's in this place. I thank you for those that are facing hopeless situations, it seems. But Lord, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation when your word is involved. When there's a promise of God, there is always hope. There is always victory. There is always deliverance. Lord, I thank you for the illustrations I've seen in my own life too many times where the devil said impossible, you said possible. And I'm calling that spirit of anointing forth on each life here. That where they think they haven't been able to get free, that as they begin to intertwine your word and your presence in their life, freedom shall come to them. They will not always be bound with the things that, that haunt them. They shall be delivered. They shall walk in victory. They shall have restoration of the things that the enemy has tried to destroy from them. For these that are recommitting their lives to you today. Father, I thank you that you've seen every hand and that by your spirit, God, that right now that the anointing of God begins a work in them as they have clearly stated, this is a new day. 
This is a new hour. Things are changing in my life. Thank you, Father, for what you have done and you're going to do. May your presence fill their lives and their families like never before. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, I thank you for the hope of Jesus that tells me there is no struggle so great. There is no bondage too harsh. And Lord, I thank you that there is no attack of the enemy, no matter what stage of life we're in, that a faith in God cannot overcome. And Lord, now for this very specific need, I pray in this altar. Help me pray, church. Lord, right now that for our dear brother, every time I pray for him, I'm reminded of good ground, good seed, and good harvest. Lord, there are so many that can testify to his generosity of faith that has led so many, that has been a mark for so many. And God, I'm asking you today, let that seed that has been harvested throughout the years, the some that may have seemingly not yet been harvested, thank you, Lord, that it's been reserved for a moment like this. And Lord, it comes into fruition and it comes into harvest of healing and victory and power. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. Thank you for what you're going to do. And thank you, Lord, that I, my goodness, that our faith is not in man, but our faith is in the promises of God that says what a man sows, that he shall reap by the faith of Christ in Jesus mighty name thank you Lord in Jesus mighty name Father I thank you for every need in this house that your riches in glory shall meet them according to your mighty name in Jesus name amen and amen I wish somebody would give God a praise this morning come on come on give God today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.